Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Flip Flop Experience. I am your co-host Marla Watson with my co-host Leah Thrapp. Hey, Leah. Hey. Okay, so today we're talking about food, and we were talking about it even before the podcast started. Yes. One of the things about traveling that makes it so incredible is the gastronomical experiences that you take with you back home. You know, there are things that you have that are memorable at mm-hmm. a place that you have eaten and. You have so many. It's one of my favorite things to curate on a trip. And I think that it does stick in your travel memories so vividly when you have the taste and the smell of a place, not just the things that you see with your eyes. So engaging so many of your senses to experience a place really helps embed that in your memory and create those happy, warm fuzzies from a trip. I say food is half the reason that you go a place to travel. (laughs) I agree. You have all these fascinating places that you think about. And I'll just use our recent trip to Italy as an example, going to Florence. And for so long, you had been sharing this one picture with me of this refrigerator full of these beautiful vegetables and a huge, huge squash or pumpkin. Oh, yeah. You know, just your mouth is watering before you even get on the plane. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like we're already kindred spirits. If you can turn food into art, like, you know, fresh produce and meat and everything, and you just make it like a showstopper piece in your restaurant, then already this is somewhere that I think we belong. And it was good. Yeah, so good. And the service is amazing. That's also, I think, so important is finding somewhere that treats you special or treats you like family and, you know, welcomes you in. So I don't really like the stuffy type of restaurants. I definitely will eat somewhere with fine dining 100%, but I don't want it to be stuffy or stuck up or pretentious. I want it to be, we're in this for the common experience of you loving to share your food with me and me being here to enjoy the food and we can bond over that. I will say this. It's hard for me not to love food. I'm not going to say I'm not a curvy girl because I am a curvy girl. (laughs) It's hard for me to say that I don't love food. But I'm particular about, I guess, the style and ambiance and all of that. You just – I want to just kind of settle into it. Yes. And in Italy, we got to do that. What is your favorite gastronomical place in the world? Oh, such such a tough choice. I knew it would be. I'm the worst at favorites because I have so many favorites with so many criteria. But I think if you're just going to go somewhere for the food, you can't go wrong with Italy. You know, obviously, all of my tours have have a super high focus on food and drink. It's one of the top priorities for me. But I decided to do a foodie tour of Italy and really dig in deep into that and make sure that we put extra focus on it and and created some unique experiences around it. I decided that we were going to fly into Bologna and start there, which they call it the fat city or the belly of Italy, because even though all of Italy, (laughs) all of Italy is known for its food, but even extra in the Bologna and in the region surrounding it. And so that's where Parma ham comes from, Parmesan Reggiano, balsamic of Modena. All of those things are created right there. Has anybody ever asked you if that's where bologna comes from? Um, One person. Yeah, one person asked me. And I told him, not bologna, but mortadella, which is a little bit like bologna, maybe. You know, the other focus of mine is authentic. So we're not going to go to like some big corporate factory that churns out these products. We're going to go to these small, small production, family-owned type places and and get a hands-on tour where they're going to take us and show us each step. And and what um, a lot of people don't realize is that in Europe, they have very specific 
requirements in order to be called things a lot of times. It has to be produced a certain way in a certain place and inspected and meet quality control in order to be called something like Parma ham or Parmesan Reggiano. So we're going to learn about those processes and what they have to do to meet the requirements and what makes it special. And then, of course, we're going to have tastings at all of those places and experience it. And it's really cool to do those side-by-side tastings and realize that Parma ham is a type of prosciutto, but Parma ham tastes different than prosciutto. And for very specific reasons, it's a little sweeter and um, is cured very specially and created only from certain type of pork. So mm, it's like buttery to me. It's it is. very mouthwatering. And a little, just a little bit sweeter, which is interesting mm-hmm. because the process is full of salt. So it's interesting that it can have a much sweeter taste than the prosciuttos can. You know, I'm always looking for an excuse to incorporate our favorite farm in Tuscany. So we're going to go to San Gimignano and stay on the family farm, which is the working Italian farm, where all the food that we eat is grown there organically and with love, and you're treated like a member of the family. So we enjoy it so much. And we'll go there and do cooking classes and gelato making classes and farm-to-table dinners every night with unlimited local wine, and it's going to be pretty epic, and I'm really excited about it. That is awesome. I don't think people think about how they all play together and how all of those come from the product of the farm. So many great things to do on this tour. So many great flavors to taste. The foodie tour should be one of the best that, that you have next year. So many tours are just running through Italy and, you know, getting the highlights. And I really want you to slow down, savor and connect with the place you are. And Food is a great way to connect with the place that you are and the heritage of the place because getting to hear about a family that's been using this process for a 100 years or a couple hundred years and it's been passed down through the generations and the love and the passion that they have for the things that they're creating and the pride that they take in it is something really unique that we don't encounter that much in the States, especially related to food. And so it's something that I really enjoy You know, even though I'm not a big scotch drinker, I will love to go on a distillery tour and hear about this family who was there. They've all been distillers for generations, and it was their dream to have their own distillery one day, and they saved up their money, and they purchased this place, and they've been working there for three years, but they still have four years before they can sell a bottle or whatever, you know, and that's such a cool story to hear about these families, and they bought it here because the water from the spring is just right for making it, and again, just the heritage of that they're passing down this knowledge and something that they've curated over the years to create this really special product that they're really proud of. How do you take an experience and put it into a tour like this? I think, I mean, I definitely do a lot of research, and a lot of it is firsthand experience, and it's spending a lot of time in the destination so that I can personally learn about what makes things special and what people are excited about and what they take pride in. And if you listen to the locals and them saying, oh, well, you've got to make sure that you eat Parmesan from this place. You've got to make sure that you... And so I'm just taking in all of that information and I'm filing it away for future tours. I'm always planning a million tours in my head. And so when I hear those things, um, when I talk to local chefs, you know, I love to do walking food tours in the city and things like that. And I will walk next to the chef for the whole night and be just asking questions, you know, and what's your favorite for this? And where do you get this? And how do you do that? You know, and I, just like you were saying, I love to ask questions. I love to learn about it. I love to learn about the tradition of the foods and why they eat them at certain times or what they're used for and that kind of thing. So I'm just constantly gathering that knowledge. And then when it comes time to put together a tour, it makes it really easy for me. It's one of those things where just because it takes me five minutes to to think of the idea doesn't mean it didn't take me 20 years to come up with all the stuff that went into the idea. So then I just get inspired sometimes and I think, oh, 
I should do a foodie tour starting in Bologna. I could cover so much amazing, fabulous food ground in one trip and pack it full of delicious experiences that will be really unique. So, Gelato class, though. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about that. I cannot tell you. So Leah had told me about the gelato, and this very, very specific gelato shop Mm -hmm. is? The very special gelato shop is Gelateria Dondoli. You have a lot of gelato over your lifetime. You may have gone and found some at Central Market or whatever, and it's good. And you're like, oh, that's pretty good. I Mm -hmm. love that. Mm -hmm. That's good. Then you get to Italy. Then you get to this one specific place. Whole different ball game. It is a whole different ball game, and it ruins you for life. Yes, one of my favorite hashtags on Instagram is hashtag gelato snob because my family <laughs> makes fun of me. <laughs> They're like, oh my gosh, Leah, with your gelato snob. But I just can't. Once you've had really good gelato, it's just, it ruins you on tons of fake gelato, which is really just ice cream. A lot of times people call it gelato, but it's really just ice cream, which. Nothing's wrong with ice cream. Nobody complains about ice cream. But if you're going to call it gelato, then I have high expectations for what real gelato is supposed to taste like. I would completely agree. Now, with that being said, you're going to learn how to make your own gelato. Super excited. And that is going to be awesome. Yes. So we're not just taking a gelato class. We're taking a gelato class run by the chef who owns Gelateria Dondoli. So it's the world's most award-winning gelato shop right there in the heart of Tuscany. He's famous. Everybody knows his shop if you're in Tuscany. They know that this is the famous gelato shop. And so getting to take a gelato class from him is going to be a really special experience. But then you can't complain about your gelato so much because you're making it yourself. Right. It's going to be delicious. I'm very excited about people seeing San Gimignano. That's that's one of my favorite spots that I can finally say the word. Good job. It's so funny because I could not say that word for so long. And I think it's literally, I figured out it's because I, I had to experience it to be able to know how to say it correctly. Yeah, maybe it's a rite of passage. Once you go, you can say it. Correct. I, I love that so much. So we've talked a lot about Italy, and mm-hmm. that's wonderful. But you have had some really great gastronomical experiences in other places. I love to think about you being in a castle, eating something very regal when oh, you're in yes. Ireland or Scotland. So How's that? When we go to Ireland, um, we stay at a luxury castle hotel. It actually won Best Hotel in the World the week after I was there with my last group in Ireland. And I was really proud, and I told everybody, you're welcome. You experienced it before it won the award. It was the next week that it won Best Hotel in the World. It was absolutely, like, off-the-chart experience. I mean, literally people cried when they left. It was just beautiful, amazing food, amazing service, and so memorable. And... Before we went, I offered the option to do high tea. It was optional. Some people were like, not sure. Did they want to do high tea or not? But the more I heard about it, I was like, I really don't think you guys want to miss this. So everybody, one person did the high tea. And and I really debated, honestly, up until the very last second, whether to take Jameson. Because I thought, like, what's a a five-year-old boy going to do at high tea anyways? Like, is he going to be bored? Is it going to take forever? Is he going to like the weird fancy finger sandwiches? I don't know. And so... I ended up just taking it with me. I was like, let's just roll with it, you know, because that's usually what I do is like, we'll just figure it out. Kids are flexible. So, and actually the castle had given him a backpack full of toys when he checked in. So I just, they were all new toys. So they'd given him some coloring books that were for the castle and things. So we just brought the whole new set. And I was like, if he's bored, he'll have something to do. So we go to the high tea and we were not prepared. It was an absolute feast, like an all-you-can-eat, never-ending feast of beautiful, delicious food. Finger sandwiches, scones with different curds and butters and um, just a menu of tea. And then they brought out the kids' menu for the high tea, which 
honestly, all the grown-ups were jealous of because a kid's high tea was even cooler. They had fairy floss, which is what they call cotton candy. So they had fairy floss on top of your hot chocolate that melted into your hot chocolate. And they had little baby waffle cones with peanut butter and jelly in them. And it was just, like, adorable. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, next time I come, I'm getting the kids' menu high tea. Did you steal some of Jameson's food? I I wanted to. I really wanted to, but I didn't. He shared some marshmallows. They're homemade marshmallows for your hot cocoa. He shared some with us. I have a picture of him that's so cute of him just sitting, you know, his head barely above the table. He's little with his menu, and his little eyes are peeking over, and he's just, like, wide-eyed reading this menu that they gave him of this kid's dream feast, you know. It's just, like, everything a kid could dream of. And we had so much fun. It was just, you know, you're sitting in this beautiful room overlooking the castle grounds, having high tea in a, in a luxury castle hotel, and it's just exactly what travel dreams are made of. So I want to go there. Yes, let's do it. Well, I, I always say that to Leah, and she's like, okay, that, that's where we'll go next. There's just so many wonderful places that have so many wonderful experiences. And you were talking earlier about whiskey, you know, doing mm-hmm, a whiskey mm-hmm. tasting. Was that in Scotland or Ireland? When did you do that? So both. I figured it Um, had to be both. You can't go to Ireland or Scotland without a good distillery tour. So we just finished a trip to Scotland a couple of months ago, and we had a great time. We stayed in in the region of Speyside, which is where the vast majority of the scotch is produced. So we stayed there in a really cute little boutique hotel that we kind of took over. And they have a whiskey library of over 500 whiskeys from all around the world. Oh, my. It was really cool. So they have them from Japan, and they have them from Ireland, and they have them from everywhere. You can order and try all different ones. But then we also went on several distillery tours. I also like it to be a well-rounded experience. So I also included a cooperage tour. So we went and saw where they make the barrels and got to watch how they make the barrels and how they assemble them and learned about the process and the quality control that goes into that, how many times they use the barrels. They get the barrels from America. They use some of our old barrels from Kentucky and things like that to age some of the whiskeys in. Now, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't really know cool. that. Yeah, and then these guys have to assemble it, and they get paid per barrel. And so it's really crazy to see how quickly they hammer these barrels together, and they you know, they are putting the planks, and then they put the metal ring around it and get it tight enough to hold whiskey for years without leaking. So it's really an interesting process that was a fun highlight of the trip. It was, it was just a short little tour to go see how they do it and, and watch it through a big window. You're standing up above and watching the floor as they were all rolling these barrels out and banging on them and testing them and throwing them back over. And it was it was really interesting, which, again, it's just a full experience of if you're going to taste whiskey, the barrel is a super important factor in how the whiskey tastes yes, and ages is. and everything. So. We wanted to get the full picture of the experience, and then we did a couple of tastings at different distilleries, went to one which has like a special waterfall where they get some of the water, and took a walk through their gardens, and then we actually ended the day with a private whiskey tasting with the bar manager at our hotel, and he curated a list of whiskeys for us to taste and walked us through a tasting of a variety. So, you know, when you go to one distillery, you're only getting to taste their whiskeys. Mm-hmm. So this kind of gave us another unique experience where we were comparing different whiskeys from different places and different times and tasting those side by side. So that was an oh, interesting Oh, that's experience. fantastic. Yeah, it was Well, really you know, fun. I'm a whiskey girl. Yes. So that is going to be one of the funnest tours ever. I, I love hearing about that because you look forward to the experience, but it, it never quite touches the actual experience itself. Yeah. I know that you mentioned Japan just a second ago that mm-hmm. they had Jap- Japanese whiskeys. That's one place I want to go eat my way through Japan with you. And I've always imagined us going and doing that. So that's that's on my list. Oh, it's on my list, too. I definitely would love to go experience some of those hot springs and some of the really cool Buddhist sites and 
the little adventurer heard us talking the other day about Japan, and now he is like, he? when are we going to Nintendo Land? So it's now on his radar, too. We do want to go to Nintendo Land. And I, I got to admit, I can't wait to go to Tokyo. And I know you're not as mm-hmm. – um, you, you like a little bit more craft experience, but I'm dragging you to Tokyo, <laughs> and we have to go to a crazy sushi bar. Yes. I, I just – I want to do that so bad. A bearded adventure would be all in on that because he loves sushi, so he would be totally down for it. I get really excited thinking about about all of these experiences. And that's that's the joy of what you get to do is you get to travel and give joy back and be the the educator of the world mission. Yes. It's that is one of the highlights of my job. Obviously, I have a really fun job during non-pandemic years. It's just an epically fun job. One of the things that I really get so much joy from is is being able to be the person who facilitates someone experiencing something that brings them so much joy and creating special memories with people that they love and crossing something really big off of their bucket list and being the person that gets to see it through their eyes. You know, people ask me, do you ever get tired of going to the same places in Tuscany? And I'm like, no, it's it's so fun because I get to, I love seeing someone else fall in love with somewhere that I love. You know, that is really special to watch someone else have the wonder in their eyes, you know, and that's the same thing with why I love traveling with my children, because you get to see things through their eyes in a different way. And everybody has different parts or different things they fall in love with, or a different food that they remember forever. And so it's really cool to just sit there and, and be a part of it each each time we take a tour. Every experience is different. I don't know how you could ever get sick of Tuscany. If anybody asked me that, I would literally just roll my (laughs) eyes at them. But it is, for those of you who have not had the opportunity to go. It is a very lovely place, and you will be so surprised at how quickly you just relax into mm-hmm. the place that you are and you experience what's around you. You know I'm getting ready to make uh, Ricciarelli cookies. Mm-hmm. So good. I'm very excited. That's a favorite cookie of ours. You know, we were talking about gastronomical experiences. That is one of our favorite cookies. And Leah, tell everyone how you first learned about the cookie. Yeah, so as we mentioned, I'm a gelato snob, so I actually really hadn't spent that much time tasting the bakery goods in Italy because when I'm going for dessert, I just head straight for the gelato. There's some bakeries that had amazing-looking treats, but I just wasn't sure that they were going to be as good as my gelato, so I didn't really waste my calories on it, I guess, which I was missing out this whole time. And so we had the sweetest bus driver this last two months that we were in Italy, and I had him almost the whole time. He was so sweet. And one day... We got back from Siena, and when everybody got off the bus, he gave me two packages, and he said, these are for your children. And I was like, oh, thank you. I had no idea what was in them. We get back to the room, and there are these little cookies that have, like, little cracks all over them, and they're rolled in powdered sugar, and they looked really yummy. They look like they're going to be crunchy, though, because of the cracking. You would think it's going to be, like, a crisp type of cookie. And so I gave it to the kids, and they were like, this is really good. And I was like, let me take a bite. And I took a bite, and it was soft and chewy. Not at all what I expected it to be like and not super sweet, which is also surprising considering that it was covered in powdered sugar on the outside. But the inside was soft and chewy and almondy. almondy. Yeah, and it was so good. And Marla actually, I don't know, we were working on something and she came to my room and I said, oh my gosh, take a bite of this cookie. This is crazy. And she tasted it and she's like, what is that? And I said, I don't. It was so good. I said, I have no idea. The awesome bus driver gave it to us. I don't even know what it's called. It's amazing. And so the next morning when we got back on the bus, um, the little adventurer told him, grazie mille for my cookie. And I said, what What was that cookie? And he told me a Ricciarelli. And I said, Ricciarelli. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Love I'm going to have to so find much. one of those. He said they're traditionally a Siena treat. And so we kept an eye out and we started spotting them as we were walking around the towns. And San Gimignano had a cute bakery that had them, which Marla has a story about. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. Actually, 
We had tried them at several places, and they Mm -hmm. were so good. I have to admit, whenever you're walking around, you're walking up and down a lot of, um, you know, it's at the foothills of the Italian Alps. So it's very, you climb through all these cities. I had to go to the bathroom. I will admit it. We had been drinking a lot of water. So I was traveling. Um, that day, I'd, we'd split apart, and I was with our friends, Linda and Sharita. Uh-huh. And we were trying to find a bathroom. The first bathroom that we went to, see, whenever they're cleaning a bathroom, they shut it down. They kick you out. They don't let you in. They put a broom across the door. It's like, leave me alone. I actually think it's their place to just have, they want their own time to she, do their thing. I think she's like listening to music and dancing around in there. She had her headphones She in. was just getting after it. So. So the first one was locked down. So I was like, okay, well, I can make it. We walked to the second bathroom. And you have to understand, this is up and down big inclines. Mm-hmm. I get to the second bathroom, same thing. They had locked it down. So that's when we started thinking, do they just lock down all the bathrooms <laughs> at a certain time during the day and right. hold everybody hostage? So I walked all the way down to the entrance, and there was um, Leah and a few of our other friends were standing there. And I said, I, I just really got to go to the bathroom. And she said, oh. You know, I, they let me use the bathroom right up there. And I, and she goes, and I got a cookie. And I was like, oh, that's experience. I get to get a Richie Rally cookie. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. So I walk up there, and I'm very excited. And I go ahead, and I buy the cookie first, you know, because, you know, you're being polite. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the lady behind the counter, and I said, may I borrow your bathroom, please? And she goes, no. <laughs> so and I, weird. And I was like, no, no, I bought a cookie. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 can I just – it'll just take one second. She goes, No. And I said, please, I've really got to go to the bathroom. At this point, I'm like a five-year-old begging, <laughs> please, let me oh use gosh. your bathroom. And she looks at me. She goes, no, you go. And she oh just like, gosh. you know, I was just looking at her and I went, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're mean. Yeah. I was mean. Yeah, and so I, I literally was like, please, please, please let me go. And she said, no, you go. Even the other girl that was working with her was looking at her. I don't know what I did. But I think I figured out afterwards that they were closing the shop down at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she um, was confused that I, I wanted to camp in the bathroom right. or what, what happened. Or sit down and live there for a while, yeah. But here's the best part of the story. I get out there and I tell Leah and Linda and all of our friends, I was like, uh, okay, they, I couldn't go to the bathroom. And so I had to get quiet. I just had to go so bad. So finally, everybody gets back and we're going to go walk to go to the bathroom or walk to go to the bus. And Leah and Linda and Sharita are like, okay, let's, there's, <laughs> a, there's, a grocery, there's a grocery store right up here. We're going to find you a bathroom. And Leah went in and distracted them while I ran into the bathroom. <laughs> and it was it was very nice. I, I must it was admit, an adventure. It was an adventure. And then when I came out, we all laughed so hard. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. It I was mean, a rough one. Normally, if you buy something somebody will let you use the restroom. So it was very weird. And I'd actually gone in there and bought my cookie and used the restroom right before Marla. So I probably should have just asked you exactly where the bathroom was and gone right. that way. But then also I have to tell you that there is a place right there by that particular lovely cookie place. And there is a candy store called Nano and Friends. Mm-hmm. And you go in there and they have every kind of chocolate and all kinds of truffles and just incredible and I'm not I'm talking chocolate truffles but then of course I'm talking mm-hmm. mushroom truffles or you know truffle salt and truffle everything I brought back the most wonderful truffle salt I love it 
they go in there. And it's not like when you walk into an American candy store and if they let you try something, they look at you if you ask for a second thing like, are you greedy and fat? They, <laughs> these people literally pull out these trays and they have drawers and they pull out all these samples and they give it to you. And by the time you leave, you've had a whole experience in their store. And I actually looked at the lady that was helping me. Her name was Aurelia. And I looked at her and I said, I'm going to have to come back. And then we're yeah. coming back in a couple of days. And they know you're going to come back. They don't go like, oh, I just gave her all this candy. She's never going to come back. They knew I was. When so, they want you to taste everything. They They do. would tell you, okay, now that you tasted all the cookies, you've got to come over here. And you're going to taste all the chocolates. And they want to give you one of everything. a huge amount of stuff. Yes. Probably like at least 20 things that you taste. My favorite thing that I bought um, in the store, and there were so many things that were there, is that they have limoncello and melancello, and they actually have the actual limoncello and melancello, and they let you try that too, mm-hmm. by the way, if you're an adult. <laughs> um, they had the boxes of the candy, which they put in the freezer, mm-hmm. and then when you pop it in your mouth, it's like a hard candy, and you think you're getting into a hard candy, but then when you just slightly, it's just like anything, it looks crunchy and hard on the outside, you just slightly bite into it, and it opens up like like Freshen Up Gum used to do. This oh, yeah. wonderful burst of flavor comes out, and every time I give it to somebody, I enjoy watching the look on their faces. They go, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, they get really excited about it. Yeah, but, those are fun. So there's all those experiences. I think that four of my favorite experiences food-wise were in San Gimignano. I also think about our wonderful lunch where we, you know, we're sitting and there's this big, beautiful window yeah. over the foothills and it was gorgeous. Beautiful scenery. It was really pretty. I know. Food food tastes better with a view, I think. It does. And now, I can, you know, I had this beautiful risotto with a wine and Parmesan sauce. And let me tell you, it was really, really good. It was good. And, and it was simple. And just I dream about it. And I'm never going to be able to recreate it. So I'm just going to have to go back and have it again. Well, that's easy. We'll just go back to San Gimignano as often as we can. I think so. I can't wait for Scotland. I can't wait for Ireland. I can't wait for all of the great tours that we're going to be doing. Oh, my gosh. Africa next year for Christmas. Yes. Tanzania for Christmas. You didn't talk about that. I interrupted you. Yeah, that's the last tour I have planned for next year is over Christmas break, we're going to go to Tanzania with a group and do a luxury safari. I can't wait to go there. I'm actually, this time when I go, I'm going, after Tanzania, I'm going to Zanzibar, which will be an optional add-on for people who go to Tanzania. And I'm going to get to go to the night market in Stonetown, which is famous for their street food. And I'm going to get to try different kinds of street food, which I think will be really fun. And then we're taking a cooking class in Zanzibar, which is known as a spice island. So I'm really interested to see what kind of flavors and spices we get to experience there as well. There's just so much we could go on all day, but I guess we need to we need to go for today. Yeah. We really do because oh, now I'm hungry. I say, now we're getting hungry. We're going to have I'm to go eat so lunch. I'm <laughs> hungry. And uh, the Chick-fil-A that we had, which was wonderful. We do love Chick-fil-A. Yes. Was great, but it, it certainly won the risotto. Now I'm no. thinking risotto. <laughs> It's not Tuscany. Well, for this week, I am Marla Watson with my co-host, Leah Thrapp. Y'all keep adventuring. Happy adventuring. Thanks for being part of the Flip-Flop experience. Make sure to subscribe and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Flip-Flops and Adventures. Stay tuned for a preview of our next episode. She eats gluten-free, so she's going to share her experiences with eating gluten-free in Italy. So tell us what you did eat. We talked about how you avoided gluten, but what did you end up eating and what surprised you? 
Well, firstly, just the sheer amount of delicious, amazing gluten-free pasta was obviously surprising. Like, I just thought I wasn't going to get to indulge in the pasta that I was going to end up eating like a lot of risotto and like salads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's what happens here. Um, So just the fact that almost everyone had some kind of delicious gluten-free pasta dish available. And I ate the best pizza I've ever had that's gluten-free. Like, Mm -hmm. it was incredible. Like, I sometimes dream about it. (laughs) 